You've probably heard that people don't leave bad jobs, they leave because of bad bosses, poor management, and a lack of appreciation of their worth. You know, it's cliche, yet it happens all the time, and exit interviews confirm it. Just because you're in a management or a leadership position, the immature or inexperienced or even insecure leader can incorrectly assume that the people on their team will automatically respect, listen, and follow directions. You know, it really doesn't work that way. In fact, it takes a great deal of time, effort, and skills to be able to develop trust, let alone build true rapport with your team. Now, here's what doesn't work. Constant criticism and sarcasm and micromanaging and just being downright cruel in your communication. Now, think back to a time in your life when you worked for a manager who routinely shot down your ideas, who didn't listen to you and hear you out, and overall they were just kind of disrespectful and even dismissive of you. It makes you miserable, it erodes your confidence, and overall just makes your job intolerable. And that is a recipe for losing your best people. But what if there was a better way? A simple, powerful framework that actually could promise, guarantee, to help you build trust and rapport. Now that framework, that is the topic for this episode number 67, where I'm joined once again by my good friend and turnaround specialist, Kevin Wormwood. And together, we're gonna discuss the power of integrity, dignity, and prosperity. Hey, I'm James Mayhew, and on this podcast, I love to talk about helping companies just like yours attract and retain great people, improve communication at every level, and ultimately boost your bottom line. Let's get it started. You know, I'd go in and inspect what you expect. You'd see some goals that management had reviewed with performers, and it would be exactly what we were just talking about. You know, you got somebody says, hey, I'm going to make a... I'm going to make 150 cold calls this month, or I'm going to write $50,000 in business, right? And they hadn't done over $40,000 in business in 12 calendar months. Right. And it's like, you haven't exceeded that one month. What makes you think all of a sudden now, which there's a part of you, right, as a leader, first of all, you got to get behind that, but then what actions are you going to take now? What are you going to do now that you haven't done in the past? Nothing. Okay, nothing's going to change. Yeah. So what what makes you think you're going to go way above your standard performance? Here, right? Here's what I think is you're getting into the psychology of why they tell you that. Yes. Well, cuz that's what I want to hear. Hey, I'm just I'm I'm going to do 80. I know that's what you expect. <laughs> you expect me to do, you know, 160 cold calls this month. So, I know I haven't done that, but this month I'm going to do it. Yeah, and what was the level you said they were at like 80 or 100 maybe? Yeah. Right. So yeah. so you're going to double this month. Yeah. So have you been bagging it in the last 12 months? Yeah, yeah I've just had my foot on coast, right? <laughs> like you like that's really mm. revealing. Or or is it that suddenly you're, you know, you're eating your Wheaties and taking anabolic steroids and whatever it is and suddenly you you or <laughs> there's you, a lot you're of, working 24 hours a day now. Yeah, there's a lot of parts that go into that too, right? Cuz uh, <laughs> as, as a leader, yeah, I want to see you do 160, James. So what are we going to do to do the 160? Now, that's assuming that I I know that you have the ability to do that, right? But yeah. if your previous 12 months you haven't performed at that level, then I need to kick it back down and say, hey, I love the 160, love the energy and focus. But if we look at your past 12 months, you've averaged 85 calls a month. I don't know, you know. Um, so what, first of all, what actions are you going to take to get us to that 160? And then secondly, do you feel like 160 is a real target? Like, is there anything in between there that we could get that would stretch you a little bit? Uh, that would still be a win yeah. and then build up to that, right? Because you want, you want to see your people succeed. Listen, somebody sets a goal for 160 and they do 90, they failed. Even if their best month ever was 80, right? right? In their so mind, true. they failed. So it's it's setting up the context of what's a, you know, they call them SMART goals, right? Specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, trackable, right? right? So w- which one are we falling into there? And again, there's no reason that somebody can't exceed their performance. Maybe they have this, that, and the other thing that they're going to do different, or, or maybe, uh, you know, all these things would be conversation pieces, but maybe they were only working 30 hours a week and now they're going to work 45. I don't know. You know, uh, things in their personal life had changed and, you know, they were taking care of their kids so they couldn't focus as much as they were. And that was kind of an unwritten agreement. You know, now they have 
an extra day and a half they can invest in their profession. Okay, yeah, you could see that significant change. You would know those things though as a leader. Like you would know those aren't those aren't things that are coming out of left field and you're like, oh geez, I didn't realize you were only working two days a week. Like <laughs> Exactly. What? You're only, well, you're only working twelve days a month? I didn't know he, that. Here's the here's the other side of that too is and I've been a part of this where we, we discovered in our teams that we were measuring the wrong metrics, right? So if, if, if the manager is, uh, is pressing or the team is pressing toward volume of calls, what about the quality of the calls? Yeah. Are you qualifying it, people? Like, it, so if you go from 85, let's take the 85 that you did, James, this last month, and let's break it down. Man, that netted us 800 grand or 200 grand or whatever the number is. Awesome. Uh, that that's actually the goal that we probably want to look at. How are you building relationships with those people? Are you asking the right questions to figure out how yeah. often they buy? Where do they buy? What do they pay? What what's working? What's not working? That's the way to leadership, right? Because you can you can you can put a metric on anything, right? And what gets measured improves. Now, is it the improvement you want though? Yeah. So hey, I need, I need you to make yeah, up, yeah, yeah, I my, need you my to make two hundred calls. Down, my yeah. sales volume goes down. <laughs> yeah. Which one did we I win? I need you to make two hundred calls this month, James. <laughs> uh, you went from closing twenty percent to closing seven. Yeah. Nice job, buddy. <laughs> so now, now you're just turning and burning. <laughs> well, <laughs> That's and, great. And hey, you got two hundred calls done though. Kevin, the unfortunate thing is, is this is happening. You and you know it. You've seen it. I've seen it happen. And and so we're measuring and we're emphasizing the wrong things because we're not stopping and looking at the bigger picture. Yeah, it's very granular, but there's three ways to drive your business, right? I either need to talk to more people, I need to close more people, or I need to close them at a higher volume. That's in any business. Doesn't matter if you're door-to-door sales, you're here, you know, we're in a coffee shop right now, right? They either need to see more customers. They need to get more people to buy coffee or they need to sell them more items. So like they got little snack cakes over here and waters and all kinds of stuff. They just need to have a higher, higher ticket. Those, those are the only ways they're going to grow their business. That's fundamental, right? I either need to see more people, close more people, or sell at a higher amount. That's it. Mm. So when you start measuring things, right, this, this coffee shop is an example. We could be leading this and go back in the office and we'd come up with all kinds of measurements and metrics that we're going to measure. And they may or may not move the needle. That's the dangerous part of it. They're going to create, right, people are going to perform to whatever metrics you put in place. For sure. So if the metrics are unaligned or they're not necessarily going to produce the result you want, you're going to create habit and performance that is un, unvalued. Well, you know, and, and in my own world too, this is this is very true for me. So, solopreneurs, if you're listening to this, this is the this is the truth. You want to make X amount of dollars this year, great, good goal. But it's really not a goal. That's more of a wish. Okay, so we have to sit back and look at how many how many clients does that take to get there? What is my average volume or my average sale? Uh, and suddenly you look at it and you go, wow, for me to hit that. Um, that's going to be 170 clients this year. Last year you did 38. So what has you know, like you those things have to change. It's great to say, hey, I have this stretch goal. I want to make this X amount of money, but you have to look at all of the ways that it gets back. You've got to walk it backwards. It it can't be just a. I mean, hope isn't a strategy. You've got to literally look at breaking it down. What do you need to do different? What are the opportunities? What are the other revenue streams? Are there ways that you can make money while you're not, you know, like when you're sleeping? Yeah. What are those things that you're doing too? And and businesses businesses have to look at it the same way. We, if you're a sales manager, or you're developing a team, you got the same things to look for. Yep. Yeah, definitely. When when you're as you said when you're setting out your hey, I want to make this this year. All right, what four or five things are are the buckets that you would fill up to make that income happen? Yeah. Right? That might be uh, well, I need to do better at prospecting. Uh, okay, so tell me about your prospecting. What's an actual goal in prospecting? And then what three or four things are you actionably going to do that are going to produce that result, right? So you got a results goal and an action goal, and you can't have one without the other. I'm going to do a bunch of actions. Well, what? how are you going to know if you're being successful? Well, i got to have a result in mind. Uh, if I have a result, okay, now I need the action goals that support that. I'm going to make 160 cold calls this month. All right, what's your strategy? This is really interesting because I was just in Orlando, Florida two weeks ago in sales training. It was a boot camp, a three-day boot camp, um, second time going to it. And these are the things that, that, that we talk about, you know, that we're, we're going there to learn. So I'm there as a solopreneur. 
but I'm also there because I'm learning how to teach this to other people. The people that are in the room, you know, they're, they're a variety of businesses. Some of them have huge teams. Some of them are sales managers. Some of them are sales professionals, however you want to call it. Some of them are the owners or CEOs of the companies. It's just a very fascinating dynamic to watch. And when you're in those rooms, how many questions come up that you're like, huh, that's the same question I had, or it's yeah. the same issue that I'm having, or that process works for both of us. It's really kind of cool. And and to me, that's the biggest takeaway that I have is is, is a process that you, you work. And I've always been a guy that's rejected process because I always saw it as cookie cutter playbook. I'm going to open my playbook and I'm going to treat Kevin the same as I'm going to treat John and Susan and Sharon. And that's not what it means. It means work a system yeah. that gets you where you want to go by helping others get what they want. Yep. Oh, like they just, I mean, to me, I mean, that might sound really dumb to people that, that never connected before, but I've always been one of those people that uh, it, you either you wing it or process to me just sounded like, uh, you know, I couldn't see it's myself dry, doing the right? same thing. Yeah. It's kind of like to me, I always think of a process as standing on an assembly line, putting widgets together, and I put this screw in, then I do this rivet yeah. here. and The and Model A on. was a process. Exactly. I mean, it was, it was a perfect process. Yeah. You get any color you want as long as it was black, <laughs> right? What do you think? That's it. Uh, you know, um, but, but that's been the big takeaway is, and so now the way that we started this conversation today was me saying to you, uh, my friend Wayne helped me understand that the things that I've been trying to help companies do on the culture side, on the communication side, on the leadership development side are great and they work, but they work better and they stick when you create a structure and have a process for it to happen. Yeah. A process allows you to replicate the result. If you don't have a defined process, then you can't replicate the result right. over and over. Exactly. Right? Uh, when I look at successes I've had personally, right, not to talk about me, but, or professionally, I should say, when I think about the successes I've had, it's because I have a process of how I do things. Uh, so, and you and I have talked at, at length about some of the processes that I have. Uh, but that's, that's what allowed me to move from location to location or business to different business and replicate successful results. Yeah. Because you have a process. Yeah. And then you can plug and play that process, right? We just talked about driving business metrics or sales uh, growth. Um, that process applies to any industry. It is really irrelevant what industry it is. Those are the fundamentals. <laughs> it's, I'm just laughing, you know, as I'm listening to you and, and kind of self-reflecting here because the, the ways that I've been helping my clients and all those other was process-based. <laughs> you know, yeah. we just, we have a framework and we yep. apply it. And we, we tailor it to each type of business or industry that I'm working with. Different sizes, different industries, they have different needs. So we customize it, but we're still walking them through the same thing. Yep. Yeah, it's and still, nuts and bolts of it's still the same. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we're giving them a taste on this podcast, but they need to call you and get the whole entree. That's the deal. <laughs> that's the deal. <laughs> <laughs> call you too. Yeah, but that, yeah, it, 100%. That's the thing. So... So let's let's do uh, let's do something here today because there was, I don't know, a year and a half ago, I think was when you said it, and it took me a long time to track it down. You said three words to me. Here, I will. Uh, I'm not going to say the words yet because I just want to tell a little bit of the story because it's kind of funny. I'd forgotten they came from you. I had them written down in multiple spots, and these three words, I'm like, this is so good, and I kept thinking on them and talking about my wife or talking about them with my wife as we're driving places or I'm floating them to businesses. And I realized, you know, I, these aren't my words. I don't remember where they came from. So I started texting and emailing people who had been on my podcast over the past year and a half. Hey, was it you that said these three words? Cause these are really good. No, it wasn't me, but dude, those are, those are great. That's the responses I'm getting over and over and over. And it finally dawned on me, Kevin, I think it was Kevin. And that's when I asked you. So I'm gonna, I want you to say the three words. What, what are the three words that you shared with me that, that you know I'm so excited and stoked about right now? Integrity, dignity, and prosperity. That's it. That's it. Man, <laughs> it, 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 it comes together in such a harmonious, beautiful way yeah. that 
and and I think those words, especially integrity, is so watered down. But when you really start to unpack what it looks like, or when you really start to think about what it's like to to dignify another person, it, it's a very Recogni- amplified, elevated yeah. level. When you think about dignifying somebody and, and acknowledging their presence, listening to them, treating them, I mean, you really break it down. You're just treating them like a decent human being. That's it. You're acknowledging their individual existence um, and encouraging their growth. That's it. I Well, I don't know if it's that's it. Like, that's that's the thing is there's so many layers to this. Because what you're doing with me when we meet is you're, you're treating me with dignity. You listen well. Um, you, you make me feel heard. You make me feel valued. You make me feel like I'm the only guy here in the room, right? Those are all their other elements of it. And that is lacking in business. Oh, yeah. Oh, massively, isn't it? Well, and it's, un- it's unfortunate, but you look at even those three the three words that we just talked about integrity dignity prosperity and when you look at a company that has uh, fractured uh, culture relationships high turnover right low performance I guarantee their stools aren't sitting level on those things that's true because if you're not operating with integrity, that's first of all the basis of everything. If you're not operating and functioning with integrity at all levels, that's internal and external clients. If you're not treating your employees and coworkers with integrity, if you're not operating with integrity, then that's, that's a bad atmosphere. And dignity right? can't happen in the absence of integrity, true? Correct, correct. Yeah. Right? That's a big takeaway right And then there. at the end of the day, if you know that the real basis of what I'm trying to do is to help you grow and succeed and achieve what you want to achieve, right? Prosper. Then everything else makes sense. When we have those crucial conversations, which are going to happen in leadership, you're going to have tough conversations, but you understand why. I know that Kevin genuinely cares about my success, right? We contracted on my career path or goals that I set aside. They're not ones he gave me. They're ones I chose and he's going to help me get there. Come hell or high water, he's going to help me get there. And when you say helping somebody prosper, uh, there's it, there's a lot of different ways you could prosper. That could right. be financially, that could be personally, right? Uh, that could be career Physically, growth, emotionally, yeah. relationally, financially. Yeah. It's uh, up to them. Like spiritually, listen, we, <laughs> we're all human beings. We're very complicated, but very simplistic people. Yeah. We all have things we want to do better. So if I can help you move towards one of those things. If you say to me, man, I want to be doing this next year, uh, or I want to be working on this in my second or third quarter, right? Um, which you and I talked about this goal setting strategy a couple different times, but I'm a big believer in kind of starting with the, with the end in mind, right? So I always, uh, it gets to be about this time of year, actually. It gets to be about November, December-ish. And I'll kind of look at this year and I'll reflect, hey, what, what worked well? What didn't work well? What's, what's 2023 look like now for me? Like, what do I want to do personally and professionally, right? And then I'll pick five or six big bullet points, and then I'll go back and do exactly what we just talked about, too, and and I'll start doing some action goals for those. All right, so if I want to do this, then what two, three, four things am I going to do that need to make that happen? Um, And then I like to review those every night, so I'll break them down into 90-day chunks. You know, so January, February, March, I want to do these things, right? But it allows me the space to say, hey, this is what I thought I was going to do in the first quarter to get that result. And I did those things and I'm not really feeling momentum there. So what other things could I try? My goal is still the same. My end result's still the same. But the steps that I may take in April, May, June might be different because based off the first quarter, mm, it wasn't really moving the way I wanted it to. So are you talking about the old analogy of putting the foot on the gas, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I've always found that the, you know, so the reason why I do three, four, five things, I, I like to have at least three, um, and I, I try not to have more than five action goals for it. And the reason is every day, uh, what thing can I work on, right? And it may not be the same every day, right? If you only right. give yourself, if you only give yourself one or two action goals in each one, then you're going to do the same thing repetitively. And if it's not working, then you're wasting time. Right, so if you have a couple, you can kind of massage. Yeah, then them. you're just doing action that doesn't happen. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, just to <clears throat> appease it. But, uh, anyways, we're gonna get far off the the rails we were talking about, 
integrity, prosperity, and dignity. We well, got, I think we you're making the, the connection split. that that goals and prosperity are tied. Mm-hmm. I also think that goals and dignity are tied. Goals and integrity well, are tied. They're, yeah, they're all they're all intertwined. Those three specifically are intertwined, but then they're also intertwined with other facets of life and business. Oh, dude, that's so good. I mean, they are. They're really. You can't really have one succeeding well without the other. Like, you're not going to have a company that's high integrity, but they have zero dignity, and they're not helping their workers do anything. I, I don't see that being a successful organization. Well, I think... I, I, I always... Because <laughs> then it's just, a brutal, it's just a brutal place to work, right? Well, it's so true. Yeah. Everybody, everybody's completely honest with you, but they don't care about you. Oh, that's... <laughs> all right. <laughs> So now you're just a crazy uncle. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You're just the harsh uncle at Thanksgiving. And, and the cool thing with those is that if you think about them as not being just like circles that are touching, but it, what if they were more like rings and they're interlocked? It's that interlocking piece of it that's really intriguing to me. So, so the other word is interdependence of those three. You can't have one of them. Like if you don't do one of those three, the other two suffer as well. Yeah. They're, they're that interdependent. And what, what I find is, is that these are things that people say they want. These are things that good, in, uh, good people mean to have happen or they believe is happening. But when it gets right down to it, if it hasn't been, uh, I'll just use the word defined. If, if you haven't defined what it looks like for us to operate with integrity in every single action that we do, and you look at every way that that impacts your, your customer experience, if you have a brick and mortar place from your parking lot or your access off the road to what it looks like when you walk in and how people, I mean, that's all pieces of integrity touching into dignity, but it's all around this brand experience, this customer experience. You've got to create it and look at it that way and define what does that look like. Here's the other thing um, that kind of goes along with that is, Kevin, you and I are going to create a business today and we want to, we want to mimic the customer experience that, that we want. We want the Ritz-Carlton treatment. Guess what? I never stayed at a Ritz-Carlton. So yeah. when I say that to you, I really don't know what it means. It's a perception. It is a, yeah, it's, it's an imagined thing that I have, yeah. but I don't know what it is. And, and this comes down to, that is a gap of my integrity. If I say, if I'm the CEO of a company, we say, listen, we're going to give a, a Ritz-Carlton treatment to every one of our clients, our customers. This is so huge to us. You better take everybody to a Ritz-Carlton. Absolutely right. Yeah. Absolutely that comes down right. to communication, right? I mean, if, we, if you're talking about uh, that experience, then it's open for my interpretation of what that means. So... If you're not communicating clearly, which we've talked about this in several just even personal conversations, you know, a communication gap. If you tell somebody, hey, we're going to give the Ritz-Carlton experience and I perceive that to be one thing, you perceive it to be something else. Another person takes it their perception, right? Um, maybe, uh, you know, we end up with three different variations of the Ritz-Carlton experience. Exactly. Because we've never stayed there. Because we haven't defined it. And then it. we take it back to our markets. Right. And what do we do? We implement our version of the Ritz-Carlton experience. Ah, yeah. And so you have culture, yeah. what I would call culture creep, yeah. where it's not the same. Uh, your experience is not the same. Your brand doesn't yeah. doesn't hold up. Hey, uh, you're not delivering the experience. Oh, yeah, I am. Yeah. I think, I think I'm going above and beyond, actually, the Ritz-Carlton experience. Well, have you ever stayed at one? Do you know what it is? Nope. Oh. Well, and that's what I'm saying is, is that's a really good way to bring it back to of if you don't define it, you can't, you can't expect it to be taught because you has to be visible. It has to be something you can measure or evaluate and it has to be teachable. Those are the things that, that when we're working with a company, when we're doing core values and let's say somebody says, okay, we integrity, that's just huge for us here. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Let's hear I'll, about it. I'll work with you on this. I'm not crazy about it. Because I know how hard it is. It, it is incredibly hard. Yeah, especially at a leadership level, right? Because there's, there's oftentimes conversations that happen that everyday workers aren't privy to. Yeah. Uh, it could be financial situations in a company, right? And um, 
you know, unfortunately, those conversations happen sometimes months in advance, right? We, we have to make cuts or we're looking at an acquisition or we might be acquired, right? They're not out there telling everybody that every day. Hey, right. good news. Uh, you know, so-and-so approached us about buying our business, but I have no details of what that means for you, right? So sometimes in leadership, you can't be 100% transparent in what's going on or have integrity with that if somebody asks, right? You, right. you can't fully disclose that. So there are there are pieces of it that have to be avoided, but I think, um, you know, at the grander scale, it's an overall judgment, right? Um, and you can't claim it. Yeah. It has to be somebody else that says, man, hey, when you deal with Kevin Wormwood, that guy's a man of integrity because he's shown it to me a hundred out of a hundred times. Yeah, you can say you can say it about yourself, but if others say it about you, then it has a lot more value. And, and that's one of the you reasons. You and I talked not. about that with even employee job poster boards, right? And they're like, <laughs> "Hey, we got a great culture here." Like, I've yet to see a company. I would love to see one at a job fair where they're just like, "Hey, our culture is somewhat okay. It's all right. I mean, you know, you'll kind of enjoy it here. It's not bad. It's not the worst place you could be today." That's so funny. But everybody's got, "Hey, it's a great place, right?" They got these stock photos of everybody having fun. And then when you go work there, like people don't like it. They're not plugged in. They're not engaged. Nobody's developing them. You know, they don't they don't believe what anybody says. Like, oh yeah, hey, we said that today, but I I worked at an organization and we won't we won't mention any names, but I worked at an organization and I had some people tell me like, listen, when we get initiatives, like we wait a while to execute them because we often don't really want them executed. And I was like, what? Wait, where was that message coming from? From from like employees or at the leadership yeah. level? Yeah. Other other people of the same position. Okay, gotcha. We're like, listen, hey, we don't necessarily roll it out. Like just because we did the call or we did the meeting today and this is the initiative we just were told we're going to yeah, just hold off on it because, <laughs> oh you know, next week it's going to be something completely different, right? Well, and I think... So it's bad when your culture starts to... Right, because listen, here's the thing that happens too in leadership. Right, is now the leaders are unaware of that, so they leave the meeting thinking, "I got 35 people going to go out and execute this this situation here," uh, and people are pumping the brakes, so they're not seeing the result. And in turn, that may create the need for change because they're not seeing the result fast enough. So it's a it's a double edged sword, right? It's the stigma is there that hey, we're not going to follow through on what we say, we're not going to deliver what we're doing. This isn't going to be the same vision. That, that we entire have. thing right there is what I would call an unintended consequence of hundred percent. You know, because yeah. what you just said is very profound, which is to say, leadership says we're going to do this. Everybody else doesn't buy it, so they pump the brakes. They actually don't do it. Leadership is measuring it. 30 days, nothing has changed. Maybe we need to change course again. And that becomes a cycle. It's a vicious cycle. It's a downward vicious it's cycle. It's a head scratcher because you're oh. like, dude, <laughs> first of all, uh, there are some problems maybe in the organization where they don't hold true to what they say they want to do. But at the end of the day, it's a middle management deal, too, at that middle level where it's like, hey, we're not executing what we're being asked to execute. and you understand there's energy, focus, time that's involved in that, right? So it becomes a it becomes a, a, a pulling metric. Like I can invest my time and energy and focus into this initiative um, or I can still focus on the things that I know are value right now. And if, if that comes up again in a second or third conversation, then maybe I could focus on it, right? Like if it comes up again, then maybe, maybe it is something we're actually gonna do this time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I and I find that the bigger the company, the more prevalent that is. Yeah, because it's harder to communicate through all of the layers to get buy-in. It, uh, you know, this is this is huge. A smaller company is faster at it. It doesn't mean they're better at it because you can still meet resistance. But there's a lot of less red tape in smaller organizations. I find too. Yeah, right? and you can't a small organization twenty thousand. You can hide. Yeah, anybody in middle management can hide. But when you're a company of well, 200 or 150, you can't hide very long. The other thing that happens is the person that, I mean, this is a, it's a, weir it's a weird way to look at it, but if you've got a company that's 20,000 people, the person that's really making that decision is pretty far removed from, you For know, sure. the second, third, fourth line of defense, if you will, right, in the field. So what happens is now you've given me this initiative, you've given me this direction, and then I take from that what I will, and then I communicate that to Stephanie, Yeah. right? And then Stephanie takes 
her interpretation of what I said, which is an interpretation of what you said, and she delivers that to her team, right, now with her interpretation, and then that team is going to interpret it to their people down the line, right? So Gaps now it's in communication. You, oh, 100%. Gaps right? in knowledge. So when you get a larger Culture company shift. like that, and I think the other thing that happens in those larger organizations is the communication is so watered down, right? Because they're CYA in. Little CYA, little cover your, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, yeah. So yeah. They're, they're, it's way too, way too uh, expanded conversation instead of just, in a smaller organization, usually it's a little, I want to say a little loose, but it's not in that sense, right? Here, They'll just say what needs to be said. Here's a, here's something that's coming to my mind was as I'm listening to you work through that. Integrity is an ex- expectation employees have of the company, of its leaders, of its coworkers. The company also expects every employee, all of its workers, its its people, to operate with integrity. But when you're asked about you know, goals or how things are going, we're not truthful. And, and this is, to me, this comes back to this whole topic. I think this last 10 minutes, we've been talking about integrity and integrity doesn't mean that I am so brutally honest that I hurt you. And that's where the dignity piece comes into it. But it also means that I need to operate with candor. Yeah. And, and I like to say radical candor. What I want to make sure that I'm covering with that is, is that radical candor is kindness. Right. Yes. I'm gonna, and that's the dignity piece. So I'm going to tell you, like, I don't think this goal is achievable that you've handed me, Mr. Manager. Here's why. Uh, it, it, I mean, it's a it's a hard conversation. It's somewhat dangerous. Yeah. To speak to what you're talking about from a cultural standpoint, right? If you if you don't have an atmosphere where people are treated with dignity, and I can I can, I can speak to this from experience. If you have at high levels of leadership a lack of dignity for people and you allow leaders to be toxic in how they interact with people, then it doesn't open the door for integrity in conversations. 100%. Because now I see that you have zero value of people. So why would my opinion matter? Because mm. you don't acknowledge anybody else's opinion in the room. You don't acknowledge anybody that's in the room, right? If their opinion is different. Uh, and, and it's crazy because you think about Listen, as a leader, and and I think it's something Kyle had mentioned even in our last one, right? It's it's a burden, and for some people that don't think about, it's not a negative thing. Um, I think, to paraphrase, I think what Kyle was speaking about is there's a lot of responsibility that goes into it that people don't realize, yeah. right? It's not uh, who would want to do it. It's just hey, there's a lot that goes into leadership. It's yeah. not it's not for everybody. Um, because there's a lot of things that go into it. When you have, when you have leaders that allow people uh, that are beneath them to treat people with a lack of dignity, then it creates the tone right away that there's no value, and there's no there's no conversations of integrity. You said you said something very deep actually a moment ago. Uh, deep because I think it has far-reaching impacts, and it, and it was talking about basically a lack of trust. It was um, because you haven't shown me that you're a person of integrity. Why would I even bring anything up? Why would I even care? Why would I even try harder? That right there is a, that's an infectious mindset that transfers through break rooms and over lunches and water coolers. It's what's being talked about outside of work. Yeah. Uh, Part of that too, in the integrity aspect. I'm sorry, I cut you off. But no, it's good. Part of that in the integrity aspect too is is being able to own a mistake. Right now, don't think that we're sitting here on this this conversation talking about how leadership has to be perfect and leaders have to be perfect. Hell, you can make mistakes, but you have to own them with integrity. Right? You have to say, "Hey, listen." In yesterday's meeting, I made a mistake. I said this. I shouldn't have, or I did that, and I shouldn't have, or I allowed this to happen. And I shouldn't. You have to own it, and then move on. That's what people expect. That's integrity. They hey, I acknowledged that. a mistake. Yes. They, they <laughs> and I'm going to grow from that. it. And, and people, the respect and trust strengthens when somebody could admit that they made a mistake yeah. that's not followed up with the word but, yeah. and there's humility involved. Yeah. A genuine sincerity, right? Exactly. Like, hey, I recognized, I thought about this, I reflected on this, and here's an area where I can improve. Here's something that I did that I can improve or I can fix or I can move on. But the other thing that's crazy to me, and I think sometimes in leadership people lose this focus, but you expect your employees to do it. 
You expect them to come to you and tell you when they made a mistake, own it, grow. But sometimes leadership thinks that's where it stops. Okay. It's okay to acknowledge to people, hey, uh, you know, this happened and it shouldn't happen. Yeah. Right. And I'm not saying, let me, let me run this scenario. You've got a group setting uh, with, some, with some leadership and uh, somebody says something that's out of character, attacks uh, somebody's character, attacks their uh, integrity, right, in a, in a public setting. Yep. Now, we all know as a leader, you don't do that in public, right? right. Uh, you do that in private. You praise in public. Um, so I'm not saying that the next day the leadership could get together and be like, hey, now, uh, Worm was in here and he was talking and he got out of line, you know, and I'm sitting in the back of the room like, geez, this is awkward. <laughs> I'm not saying you do right. that, but there's individual conversations that can happen. Hey, just want to let you know this happened. Uh, we've had a conversation, uh, you know, and we'll move forward, right? But at least everybody knows it's been addressed and it's been addressed individually with each person that was in the room. That instills confidence and integrity, right? Mm -hmm. Dignity. Right. The difficulty is, is why does it still happen? I think what it comes down to is a lack of a system where it can occur to create um, a cadence for meetings to happen. Really good uh, progress meetings between you and I. And if you're my manager and you're sitting down with me monthly and yeah. you are truly a good manager to me and you're asking for my input, do you have, hey James, do you have what you need? Yeah. Is there anything I can help you with? And, and you're pressing. What are your ideas on how we could get exactly. better? Exactly. You're you, asking yeah. the right questions and you're listening. And then you're showing me that a month from now, hey, it's actually better. Because when we sit down in the next month, you're like, hey, that change, Mr. Manager Kevin, that you did for me, well, that was great. Like, well, we've talked about this too. But that's, that's leadership being vulnerable, right? Because you have to say, hey, I may not have all the ideas in the room. So James, what are your suggestions? How do you think we exactly. should do it? Because at the end of the day, if you succeed, I succeed. If you Ooh, win, I win, yeah. right? So you have to look at it from that space. Like uh, just because I would do it a certain way, my process, if you will, right. might be different than your process. The end result is all that matters. As In, long as it's not illegal. <laughs> or immoral. <laughs> or unethical. There you go. Right? I love it, dude. You're so good. <laughs> the, and this is the, this is the, the, the piece that, that just is really um, weighed heavily on me is that we can teach these things. We can teach better communication skills in training rooms or through coaching, but in the absence of a framework where there is accountability for meetings to occur, where there is accountability for, uh, you know, just discovering these things and listening to it and taking action on it, the best companies even, they don't do it. The, you know, well, uh, great high character people. They just don't make it, make it happen. And it's because there's the fires of the day, the urgency yeah. of the new deal, the product launch, the new whatever. And suddenly it becomes very, very difficult for them to do. And if you don't have that structure in place, this stuff doesn't stick. It doesn't last. We're not spending time to develop the next level of leaders. We're not. And if we are, we're not really teaching them how to do these things well. You know, how to transition from being a high contributor to now, hey, we're going to put you in a management role. Yeah. Just keep doing what you're doing. People are going to love you. And it doesn't work. You've got to create a system and a structure. And then the other piece of that is being able to show them how you can track it. Because you said the words a few minutes ago, and they're profound. They're right. What gets measured improves. And if you don't have a system to, to do that, then you are lacking the accountability for it to occur. Therefore, the progress doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the other, the other layer to measure in that stuff, though, too, is leadership has to have a pulse on, are we measuring the right things? Because what we thought we needed to measure 30 or 60 days ago, may, we may find out that's, that's not the right metric. Like, but that goes trouble. against strategic planning, <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> it does. It does. It does. Y you know, and that's, that's the other thing, too, is this is another way... Part of that structure, that process to create is that um, strategic initiatives are often filed away, not really pulled out until the end of the year. And they go, oh, hey, we missed them. It's yeah, October. Please. What can we yeah. do in the end of the year to try and get yeah. this done? And all the while, you should be looking into the next year already. So it just keeps you constantly yeah. behind playing catch up and you never catch up. I was having this conversation with somebody a few months ago and we were talking about goal setting. And... Uh, you know, not only goal setting in the traditional sense, right, the start of the month, uh, but then <clears throat> I've always thought this was interesting that sometimes in leadership they don't do this mid-month pulse check, right? Right. 
So I bring it up to this person. They're like, well, what are you talking about? And I'm like, well, if we set a goal at the beginning of the month, like when are you checking in with me and reporting progress and recalibrating the goals, right? Re-strategizing. When are you celebrating, right? (laughs) I mean, when are you celebrating and coaching and challenging? When are you doing that? Um, Well, you know, when we get together next month. Okay. Right. So you let you let thirty days go by yeah. before we talk again. Yeah. Like to me, I always did it in the middle of the month, right? Fifteenth, sixteenth, something like that. You know, let's do a pulse. Hey, this is where you said you wanted to be. This is where you're pacing. A pulse Great check. Job. I like that. You know, uh, it, like we were talking earlier, James. You said, uh, you know, you said you wanted to do uh, hundred and twenty thousand this month. Mm-hmm. You know, looking at your pace here, midway month, you're pacing one fifty. Great job, man. Hell yeah. of a job, right? Yeah. What do you think? Uh, you know, you still got that goal at 120. What do you think? Think we should bump it up? Oh man, I th- you know I could probably do 160, right? If we're having a conversation, we're talking through it. Like now, now you're stretching yourself, you know. And and you showing me in that case that you're you're invested in me, you're paying attention to me. Yeah. I feel valued. I feel appreciated. And it's also true if I'm at 100. Well, let's say I'm at 90,000, and I got seven days left at the end yeah. of the month. You're asking me, hey, what can well, you do to hit that goal? Here's the other thing that it has. It's it's extremely powerful in this. So we just talked about you pacing above. What if what if things haven't went the way we thought they were this month? Yeah. Right. I mean, look at 2022 for goodness sakes. Right. That mm-hmm. hasn't went the way anybody thought it would. Right. Right. And that's saying something because we just came through 2021. So I think you know you. I mean, 2023. Come on, baby. <laughs> I mean, sooner or later we got to have something. Yeah. Uh, but anyways. When you get somebody that's below the pace, right? Hey, I set my goal at 120, and right now I'm pacing, you know, 85,000. All right, hey, man, the month hasn't went the way you and I thought it would, James. Right. What do you think is realistic right now? You're pacing 85. What do you think we could do? Right. Well, man, I think I could get, you know, 95 or 100. Okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to get there, right? But then it allows you to leave that meeting and still finish the month with what? A win. A win. Right? Because you're going to remember that. You're going to remember that and say, man, now my goals aren't detrimental either, right? That's the other thing people get wrong in goal setting is they get this perception that if I set a goal, now I may have to hit it. What happens if I don't hit it? Because it's my goal. Well, yeah, but the the goal is a goal, right? Like it's not not life or death. Hey, you're going to do 120. Let's celebrate that. Let's push it. Oh, you, you're only going to do 80, right? Okay, let's do that. If if 80 is a stretch goal for you, let's do it. But then let's reevaluate and say, man, you're pacing above that. What do you think we could do? Or mm-hmm. you're pacing a little below that. All right. Not going the way we wanted it to. What what things do you think we could do? Well, I think even even just diagnosing why you're ahead. <clears throat> you know, what, what are the factors that led up to that? Did you do something? Did you make more calls? Did you finally closed the deal on that one you've been working on yeah. for 18 months? Hey, you know what I forgot is I took a, I took a week vacation earlier in the month and it's, yeah. it's affecting my pace. Yeah. Oh man. Okay, cool. So you, you still probably are on pace with that 120 then really if we factor yeah. it out that way. Right? Yeah. But it gives you a chance to check in. It allows your people to know that you're caring. You know what they're doing. You're in tune with it, but you're also giving them the space to adjust it if they need to. So this is let's bring this into prosperity because I think we we spend a lot of time kind of unpacking dignity, integrity, and in, in illustrating it. But what you're talking about right there is creating prosperity. Like first a, a, a situation, or for me to be able to prosper, I need to feel like you've got my back. Mm-hmm. Not only that you have my back, but also that you care enough about me. You're pushing me. You're holding me accountable. Uh, if, if you've hired me and I'm the right fit, you know, I've got the right character and I hear that you're, you, you're like going to push me a little bit. Sometimes I need the nudge. I need the arm around the shoulder. Sometimes I need a little kick in the rear, you know, and, and you're doing those things. You're creating an environment for me to prosper. And that's not just in my, in my goals, but think about how I'm feeling then because you're paying attention to me. You're reminding me of how you can get here, how you got here. You're reminding me that that, hey, sometimes you can have these setbacks. You're encouraging me. My mental state, like we could talk mental health for a whole chunk here. Oh, yeah. Like my mental state at that point is positive. I'm feeling good. I don't feel beat down. And I'm not going home at the end of the day. Dreading coming back. Dreading coming back. <laughs> taking it out on my kids or my spouse. Yep. Uh, sitting in front of Netflix just to, you know, try not to... Not even think. Yeah, just try to unplug. 
but I'm feeling good. I'm feeling energized. And, and I used the word momentum a minute ago because I think that actually is a momentum builder. Oh, it is. Yeah. Um, even though I might be missing the goal, right? That's the thing is you're creating an environment for me to prosper. That's probably impacting how I'm sleeping, how I'm eating. And then all of those things, again, start to factor into there. You're looking at me as a whole person and it's because you value me as a human being. Yeah. Well, it, outside of that, you know, another thing I'm, the reason why I'm chuckling is I think of what most companies are struggling with right now is finding good people. Yeah. Right. So in that scenario, you and I just talked about, how likely is that person to attract another person into the company. Pretty dang likely. Oh, definitely. I'm going like, out there hey, and man, telling people. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you got to get a piece of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love what I'm doing, yeah. right? Uh, and I saw a post uh, somebody said, and it, it cracks me up a little bit, but it, it's 100% true. If you're not having internal referrals for positions, that is a red light. Like, that's a problem. If you have open positions yeah. in your company and you don't have internal referrals coming, that ought to tell you all you need to know right there. That would be a real life measurement or, or an assessment of your culture. Well, we don't have an incentive program for it. Hey, I get that. And there's nothing wrong with incentivizing sure. people to do it. But at the end of the day, they should be doing it because it's a great culture, right? The incentive should just be something that's cool about it, right? Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, and I've had this conversation with some people. They're like, well, we don't really have an incentivized program for that. Yeah. Well, that's not the problem, though. <laughs> I mean, the the, pro the problem is nobody really wants to work here. Yeah, no, yeah, they don't really buy it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're only working here because you pay them every week. But I guarantee if you stop paying them, they ain't coming. I had somebody working for me one time, and I they just weren't getting it done. I mean, they just weren't. And I'm a big believer in, is my tank empty? Like, if I've given you everything I can to help you succeed then at some point that's on you, right? For sure. Until we get to that point, it's always on me as a leader. Okay. If you're yeah. not performing at the level that I need you at, it's something I did. Yeah. Right? And then at some point it's like, okay, we've done the coaching, we've done the training, there's yeah. accountability, right? There's, I mean, we've done all those things, right? Can't, right. won't, don't know how. So when we've crossed <laughs> some of those off, it's like, okay, hey, this is 100% on you now, right? right? It's time to move on. Like, it's just, you're, you're, you're not the person. Uh, and I had somebody tell me, hey, man, um, we shouldn't really get rid of them, though, because we don't know who you could replace them with. Oh, yeah. So we'd rather have this person doing a mediocre job at best <laughs> than getting somebody in here who at least giving you 100% effort, but maybe doesn't have the same skill set, same quality, right? But they're, they're just going crazy, though, because they're giving 100% maximum effort, right? But in their mind... We were better off to just stay with the girl that brought us to the dance. And that's okay, but you're going to continue to get that same performance. There's nothing you're going to do to change that performance. And then you're going to have the same conversation, though. Hey, this manager's performance isn't great. Well, no, it isn't. <laughs> right. They're a C player at best. Yeah. And we expect them to change, but they're not going to. We've done everything we can to get them to change, and they're not going to. But we're just going to hold on to them because at least we know what we got. It's erosions of the culture, though, too. When, when good employees see those kind of things happening, um, they may not leave right away, but they leave, right? They quit your, and stay. Your best they don't people quit and leave. fastest, right? <laughs> don't, you, don't you feel? Most no, of the time? I don't think so. I think they certainly get to a point where they do. Okay. But I think uh, oftentimes uh, the psyche is it'll change. If they've seen the good times or their perception was this is how we did it all along. And now they're starting to see trickles of maybe this isn't who we are. Right. Uh, they'll hang on for a while and sometimes they'll stay too long. You know, they're not, not in, not in a sense of their performance really dropping off, but, but, uh, like I said, sometimes they'll quit and stay. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So the only thing worse than somebody quitting and leaving is somebody quitting and staying because you've invested time and talent into helping that person perform at a high level and then they took their talent somewhere else that sucks but what's worse than that is somebody quitting and just coming in every day still yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah, man yeah, yeah. they checked out six months ago and they're still collecting a check that's bad and that would be again just bring it back home here that's a gap in integrity 100 personal, personal integrity yeah 100 percent. but and i think sometimes the erosion in that is it's easy uh, those, the things you and I just talked about are hard. They're hard to do. 
They're not, but they are because yeah. they're a slower process, right? Yeah. There's more. There's more depth of the conversation. There's a little pain involved. There's mm-hmm. a little discomfort. There's going to be mistakes. There's going to be bumps. It's easy to just be like, uh, you know, the what have you done for me lately? You think about even what we were just talking about in, in a sense of building something. Look at these NFL coaches, right? I'm not, I mean, I am a big sports guy, but you look at NFL coachings and you look at the Cleveland Browns as an example, uh, or you look at the Detroit Lions. Right? I'm a huge Lions fan, uh, and I like our coach right now. He's having some struggles, but I think he's the right person. Uh, now, at the end of the day, though, he's got to get results, right? He does, right? You can't keep winning two to three games a year and expect to keep your job. But I also love the fact that the ownership's given him a chance. Right. He's not a one and done. Right. This is second season. Uh, hopefully, he gets a third. Um, right. But I don't. I, I'm going to be honest. As a fan, I don't want to see this the third year in a row. Right? <laughs> exactly. Like, sure. I got it last year kind of wearing my patience a little thin this year but I do love the culture of what I see in his teams they're at least competing every day they're trying I could watch the Lions teams in the past and it seemed like they quit at halftime right they quit and stayed yeah <laughs> guys were just trying to make it through the season right like hey you know we're not going to the playoffs it's fine you know right um but I don't get that sense now with the Lions. I don't work in their organization. Obviously, I couldn't tell you anything about it. But uh, from a fan perspective, when I watch the games, it seems like they're still plugged in. They believe in what he's trying to do, and that's half the battle, right? And hopefully he gets more time at it. But then there's other organizations that don't give the coaches time, and they're gone. They're one and done. They get there for a year, and they're gone. Um, yeah, and they that turnover creates disruptions. Yeah, because now now, now I'm going to bring my process in. I'm right. going to bring my people in. And, you know, we're going to rip your rally cry off the wall and we're going to put mine up. And, you know, now that's the new one, <laughs> yeah. right? And yeah. and we might get a short burst of energy, um, but at what cost? Mm. So. Dignity, integrity, prosperity. prosperity. There's a whole lot there. Well, man, it's um, it's it's always good to speak with you. Thanks for being on the on the show today. Um, can't wait for our next time that we visit. And you bet. Yeah, do this again. It's, it's and wonderful times. Good I think times. I think it'd be great if, if you're made it through the the podcast here and and you have questions based off of uh, what we've talked about today. Please let me know. Um, send those to me by email, uh, coach at jamesmayhew.com, because I'd like your thoughts on things that we've talked about. Because uh, there is so much more layering to all of this this conversation today, uh, it's probably piqued something in your mind. So love to hear from you on that. But outside of that, Kev, always good seeing you, man. Great, great seeing you too, man. Great job. All great. right, we'll catch you next time on Lead Through Values.